Thank uh, our members for being here with us today. It's important that we gather on the first day of the week, as we're commanded to do, to worship God in spirit and in truth. And, you know, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Patrick's uh, uh, table talk this morning, you know. And, and, and you know, people say, you, you can't even pay me to run. And I've often said, I don't have an ACL in my right knee. I said, so if you see me running, you might want to consider it, because I'm not doing it for exercise. My father-in-law, a funny story it made me think of when he told me when you said that at the table this morning, he, uh, he hates snakes. And he was telling me a, a story a little bit, a little, a little time after he got married, him and uh, his brother-in-law were fishing. And they're down by the water and they're fishing. And, uh, and then they decide to, to take a break and they say, oh, we're going to jump in the water and cool off. And all of a sudden he just start, he takes off running. He's running up this hill. And his brother-in-law turns around and says, what are you doing? He, he gets about 100 feet away, and then he says, snake, there's a snake, snake in the water. But he got 100, 100 feet away before he let his brother-in-law know. It's funny how these little things go through your mind, right? So I called an audible this morning because uh, if you remember 20, uh, Revelations 22 and 14, if you turn there, it was on the screen this morning that, uh, that Randy read uh, for our, our, uh, our scripture reading here this morning. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, as you're turning there, I want you to think about this, and I think Jim might even throw it back up on the screen. There he goes. You know, so you, so you look at Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. Notice what it says. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. I want you to think about that simple verse for a moment. For a moment. Blessed are those who wash their robes. It's talking about what? Baptism, right? But then we also know that it goes on to say that they may have the right. What is it? You can just go back, Jim. Uh, what is it that gives us that right? It's our obedience. It's our faithfulness. It's our obedience in the Lord. But I called an audible from what I was going to teach on and to go with our, uh, our normal lesson. Like I told you, I said we might preach through some lessons uh, in regards to this life, life of Christ challenge that we're doing on Sunday mornings. But I decided to call an audible because if you, if you notice in society right now, are people hostile towards one another? Is there a lot of animosity? Is there a lot of anger? Aren't we approaching, approaching this little thing called an election cycle? Right? And are, are, are people just digging in? And are they just utterly bitter? I remember I was, I was reading the news yesterday, and they said that this elderly lady, who is a, a pro-life advocate, was just out knocking doors and passing out pamphlets. And the person that opened the door shot her dead. Because, of her, because her opinion was contrary to their opinion. But what gives you the right to kill somebody because your opinion is different than their opinion? But you can see stories like this on the news all the time. There was a teen uh, I seen on the news as well just the other day that some crazy uh, lunatic, uh, lunatic liberal uh, uh, killed a Republican teenager all because of politics. He disagreed with his, his stance, so he killed them. But you're seeing more and more of these stories all the time. And so what I said is I called an audible. I just decided to change uh, what I was going to preach on. And, and Jim was uh, texting me yesterday morning. He says, hey, are we still watching the game? And did you send me your slides? Because I haven't received them yet. And I said, no, but I'm working on it. Because I decided to change on what I was going to preach on. So if you look on the screen behind me, we're going to talk this morning about kindness, compassion, forgiveness. And how kindness, compassion, and give forgiveness overcomes what? Anger and bitterness. 
Where does the anger and that bitterness come from? You see, brethren, that is why we have to be very careful. Because doesn't the Bible say that we are to seek first the kingdom of God? Aren't we to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul? Am I to be a Christian first or a patriot first? You're to, you're to be a Christian first, not a patriot. Not that there's anything wrong with patriotism if it's kept in the right mindset, if it's kept in the same, with the right priority level. God sits on the throne of my heart, not the president, right? Not my patriotism. And so what is the point of me saying that? Brethren, there are too many people, because of all the various ideologies that are out there in the world, that even Christians find themselves forgetting who sits on the throne of their lives. And that they're more, they're more uh, vigilant and they're more compassionate and sh show more zeal on their beliefs in political things and what they want to see to be done than they do about even their faith in Christ. And so this morning we're going to talk about uh, kindness and how kindness, real biblical kindness, reflects godliness. And so, brethren, if you, have, if you haven't noticed about the hostility, the hatred, the contentions, all the factions that are, that are represented uh, within the borders of our nation uh, for a whole variety of different reasons, then you're not, you haven't watched any news. Because all you have to do is uh, flip around the different news channels to see and hear what's being taught, and you're going to see it firsthand. And all the vitriol, all the venom that is being spewed, all the, uh, all the hatred that is being spewed, and then we think about all the people. Who here knows some other people? Do you know anybody who's bitter and angry? Do you know somebody who's bitter? I mean, seriously. Do you know somebody who's angry? And not just angry about a particular thing, but angry all the time. Bitter about a whole slew of different things. Do you know any Christians like that? Because I know a whole bunch of Christians like that. And so all you have to do is have some conversations with your fellow Christians, and it starts to, that, that, that cream doesn't rise to the top, but that anger and bitterness starts to rise to the top. What are they angry about? People are angry about all, all sorts of things. They're angry because they don't feel like the world's given them enough. People are angry because they don't think God uh, has, has, has treated them fairly. People are angry because, the, uh, because of the lack of faithfulness of maybe other Christians. People are angry with their spouses. They're angry with their children. They're angry with their bosses. With their bosses. The list could literally just keep on going, right? Why people are angry and bitter. But if you are this angry person, if you are this bitter person, and you're here this morning, brethren, then this lesson is for you. As I think about the first passage of Scripture on the screen behind me, and the, uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the people of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want, you to I want you to think about this. If you're that person where you have some bitterness, you have some anger in your heart, I want you to ask yourself, A, why it's there, and then B, what can you do about it? But when you have the anger and the bitterness that are in your heart, I want you to remember what the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul told us, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. He doesn't say unless you're angry or unless you're bitter about something. Especially if you're angry or bitter about something. Isn't that why we are to be slow to speak, right? And so, uh, you look at the scriptures here, brethren. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. Which means teaching. Good for edification. Teaching according to the need of the moment. So that it will give grace to those who hear it. We could really stop and do a whole sermon and Bible study just on verse 29. 
And so you look at that verse there so that it will give grace to those who hear. When you teach, when you edify somebody who's bitter, who's angry, who has some things going on in their lives, are you speaking to them in such a manner that it will bring grace, it will give grace to them as they consider why they're angry, why they're bitter. You see, brethren, it doesn't, the scriptures never preface our anger and our bitterness to justify it, but we like to find ways to justify it. Aren't we always trying to justify why we feel a certain way, even if it's contradictory to what God teaches us in Holy Writ? And so it goes on to say in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God to whom you have been resealed for the day of redemption. Sealed for the day of redemption is talking about after your baptism you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you have that, you're sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, let all wrath, anger, clamor, which means shouting, let slander, let it all be put away from you, along with malice, which simply means evil. And then Paul tells us, he gives us a plan in verse 32. He says, I need you, brethren. He goes, I need you to be kind to one another. I need you to be compassionate to one another. I need you to forgive one another. And then he gives us this one little sentence that is crucial to our understanding. You need to be kind, you need to be compassionate, you need to be forgiving. Why? Because your Father, your God, has done the same for you. Why is it that we are so willing to be bitter and angry, even against fellow Christians or even those in the world, and yet we want, to, we want God to forgive us continuously? We don't want anything to hinder God's forgiveness of us, but, man, we are sure slow in dealing out grace, are we not? Are there too many of us who are slow in being a little bit maybe grace-filled towards our fellow brethren, family members, and friends? The Apostle Paul is telling us that Christians must work to get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, slander, along with every form of evil. And then going back to what Pat was saying on the table here this morning in his table talk, it takes effort. Does it not take effort to apply the scriptures? You read the scriptures, and then you have to apply it to your lives. You have to change, make changes to your mindset, changes to your heart, right? And then that's going to take time, and it's going to take effort. Some of us call that spiritual growth, right? As we grow in, uh, in knowledge, as we grow in the spirit. And so we see people, brethren, in the church, and we see people outside the church that are just unpleasant, that they're angry all the time, for reasons that I mentioned and many reasons that I haven't mentioned here this morning. And people in and out of the church are unpleasant and angry and they forget what the word of God tells us. We live in contrary times. We live in, the t in, in a time in the country where this nation is fractured. There are factions amongst us. Uh, one race is being pitted against another race. And uh, people of color are being pitted against pe uh, people who are white. And there's all these uh, different ideologies and political divisions. And there's all these different thought processes. And not enough people in this country are, uh, are, are living with the idea or the worldview that you put Christ first. That is why we are, it is called post-Christian times. We are in a post-Christian era. Well, what does that simply mean, a post-Christian era? That means that we no longer consider God first. We no longer put God on the throne of our lives. We're on the throne of our lives. And if God's word matches up with what I want to teach and what I want to believe and what I want to do, well, then great. But if it doesn't, well, then we got a problem, right? And so we live in a post-Christian era, meaning that there are less people that believe today 
uh, in the word of God and his, and his moral absolutes than just 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it's getting less and less and less. All you have to do is look up the statistics. They're out there. This, the, per, this, the studies aren't perfect, but it just goes to show that there are less Christians today, less people who believe in Jehovah God today in America than there were just 30 years ago. And that number is drastically smaller. I'm talking 30, 40% smaller in just a few generations. Brethren, you have to understand that Paul, he gives us a plan. God, through the Holy Spirit, through Paul, gives us a plan to overcome anger, to overcome bitterness. And the idea is going back to that verse 32 behind me, that we are to be kind to one another, compassionate and forgiving. Just as God has forgiven you. It doesn't say that be kind and compassionate to only those you agree with. Because anybody could do that. Jesus even says, what good is it for you if you love those who only love you? Even the Gentiles do that. Even the pagans do that. That's easy. Anybody could do that. Brethren, if you catch on to the plan that we see here in verses 29 through 32 on the screen behind me, we know that the essential ingredients that God tells us to overcome these feelings of bitterness and, and, and hatred and anger and rage is kindness, yes. compassion, and forgiveness. And I really believe that he actually puts forgiveness last. But let's go, let's, let's dive in a little bit and let's start to, to break this down a little bit. You think about kindness for a moment. Kindness is defined, the quality of being friendly. It's the quality of being generous. It's the quality of being considerate. How many people would you define in and around you that, are, uh, that their qualities are friendly, generous, and considerate? Oh, we have some. I'm not saying that nobody is. There's lots of people who are friendly, generous, and considerate. But I would contend that there's probably more people who are more self-centered and self-righteous and who are only... Uh, only if they have time to maybe fit it in their schedule, they'll show kindness. They'll show generosity. They'll, show, uh, they'll be considerate. Brethren, you can see all the time now crimes are being committed in broad daylight. You're seeing it on the news constantly because of the crazy uh, laws in our country that criminals no longer fear authority. They no longer fear repercussions. And the criminals are coming out in broad daylight committing all these crimes. You're seeing it on the news nightly. People are getting beat down and there's people just walking right by. Well, it, it, hey, it, it's not something that affects me. And so I, I'm not going to get involved. I remember Chris Kinsey, one of the deacons over at Sunset, telling me a story. He's a pilot. And he, he was, uh, he was uh, coming into the airport, and there was, a people who, uh, there was a person who had a medical emergency. And probably like 50 feet in front of him, he sees him fall down on the ground. He was having a medical emergency. But because people were running late for their flights, people were stepping over him, walking around him, and just kept on going. And so he comes and he, he, he stops, he calls. I mean, he, you know, he's, a, he's a pilot, so he knows who to call. He calls, he gets the authorities there, gets this person medical treatment. But what's the point? Because, heaven forbid, I miss my flight because I helped somebody. These people were showing what? Kindness and compassion. How many of us would want somebody to show some kindness and compassion if I'm having a medical emergency, Right? And so, brethren, we need to consider these things because we're, we live in a society now that this isn't necessarily the case. Kindness, compassion is more of a rarity these days. People in our country are so rude, so self-centered, only worried about themselves. And if I have some uh, free time, maybe 
I'll be able to be concerned about the, uh, the problems of somebody else. Brethren, Christians need to, to make sure that we're helping to bear the burdens of others. The Galatians chapter 1 uh, talks about this. Uh, we, we know that we need to make sure that we're being kind. That's why we have the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? That's why we're supposed to, to, to give of our time, give of our effort, give of our means in order to help those who are needy, help those who are destitute. As Christians, we must always display the, the fruit of the Spirit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. It's love and joy and peace and patience. Brethren, we also know that the Apostle Paul tells us in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 that at one time, we too... What, stop there for a second. At one time, we too... Who's the we? He's talking about Christians. At one time, we too, Christians, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Does that sound like the world we live in today? Does that sound familiar to the society and the culture in which we live? Brethren, but understand that the Apostle Paul, he included himself in that. Look at what it says there. We, in the very last sentence, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He includes himself in that. He includes the hatred that he, he once had for various groups of people. Gentiles, for example. Pharisees hated the Gentiles. He was a Pharisee. And so, brethren, if you go back and you look at these various passages of Scripture, and then you get to the next passage in uh, Titus 3 and 4, in the very next verse, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, what does it say? He saved us, not because of the righteousness, righteousness that's in us, but because of his mercy. None of us deserve the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He saved us because he loves us. He saved us because of his love and his mercy and his kindness and his compassion. And are we not to be like little Christs? Are we not to be like Christ and emulate Christ? So, brethren, if you look at the scriptures here this morning, it is because of God's kindness and mercy that he saved us. It is not because of your actions. It is not because of your righteousness. It's despite those things. God loves us in spite, despite yourself. He loves you despite your weaknesses and your shortcomings. And he felt that you were worth it, so he sent his son into the world to save the world while we were yet sinners. So, brethren, if God, if God had reacted the way the world would re often react, he would have washed his hands of us a long time ago. If God reacted the way many Christians react, he would have washed his hands of us many years ago. Brethren, we look at this. God is expecting, God uh, demands kindness, love, and compassion to, uh, to others, despite all the things that we see on television, despite knowing that we're surrounded by uh, an evil and sinful society and world that's hell-bent on doing evil and doing sin, brethren, we need to stand out as shining lights. We need to teach people that there's a better way. It makes me think of this uh, illustration I read in this, uh, in this story, there's a, this missionary. He's returning home from serving over many, uh, overseas. He was, over, he was in New Guinea. He was in the jungles of New Guinea. And he comes back home after many years of, uh, in the mission field. And people, uh, fellow Christians, were asking him, he said, well, what was it like? You know, tell us, what did you encounter? What did you find there? And he says, what did I find? 
He says, I found a mission field that looked more hopeless than if I had, sent, if I had been sent to a wild jungle of wild animals. The wild animals had more compassion than the people of New Guinea, he says. And they said, well, what do you mean? He says, the people were brutal, they were immoral, and they were utterly devoid of any morals. And, they, and he said, well, you know, what were they doing? He says, if a mother had a crying baby, and she couldn't get the baby to, to calm down, she couldn't get the baby to stop crying, that many times they would literally take the baby and cast it into a ditch and walk away and let it die. If your father had broken his leg, instead of showing mercy and compassion on him and helping your father, they would say, that's your luck, and walk away and show zero compassion, zero uh, uh, consideration to the, to the family member. They had no compassion whatsoever. And brethren, he says, he goes, they didn't even know what the word compassion meant. They said, well, what did you do? Did you preach to them? And he says, no. He goes, I didn't preach to them for a while. They said, what did you do? He says, I thought it better instead of preaching to them that I would teach them through my actions. He said, when I saw a crying baby, I picked it up and I cared for it. When I saw a man with a broken leg, I sought to mend it and, shot, and sought to show him compassion. When I found people who were hungry and distressed, I took them in and I comforted them and then I fed them. And then many of the people, after over a period of time, they seen this missionary doing these things and they finally had to ask the question, why do you do this? What causes you to show mercy? What causes you to show compassion? And he says, then I had an opportunity to teach Jesus. Then I had an opportunity to teach them about the love of God. And gradually, over time, many of them had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But remember, brethren, you hear this, right? When, what the Apostle Paul taught is that we are to be kind to one another. Why? Because God has been kind to you. We are to be compassionate and merciful. Why? Because God has been compassionate and merciful to you. We don't do these things because, of, because we're trying to earn some reward. We do these things because our master, our teacher, our Lord has set the ultimate example of how we are to conduct ourselves. Your actions aren't based upon how society acts. Your actions are based upon trying to be pleasing to holy and righteous God. And so we do the things that God requires of us to show the world the love of Christ, to show them that there's a better way and that we don't have to conduct ourselves as the rest of the world conducts themselves. Brethren, they didn't even understand what compassion was in New Guinea. And it took this man showing them the love of Christ through his actions for them to finally question, why is it that you are willing to help a people that you don't even know? Brethren, doesn't that sound familiar when, we, uh, when they asked Jesus, what is the first and the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, with all your might. And the second is like it. I need you to love your neighbor as yourself. Brethren, compassion simply means that your feelings become a part of my life. If I show compassion upon Lisa and upon Matt, their feelings become a part of my life. Because now I take their problems and their struggles and I show compassion to them and then now their hardships become my hardships and we bear them together and we lift each other up and encourage each other along the way. And when you do that, if they're non-Christians, eventually somebody's going to say, why do you care so much? Why do you go out of your way to help people who could, who could care less about you? Because Jesus thought you were important. 
Jesus thought I was important. Jesus thought the world was important. And so while we were yet sinners, God sent forth his son to save the world. Brothers and sisters, I want you to listen to this story about compassion. This is a true story. This goes back to World War II, and it's about a 10-year-old Jewish boy. And for generations, his family had been a part of this little small village in Poland. And when the Nazis occupied Poland, Nazi troops came to this village. They rounded up all of the Jews for execution. You guys know the stories. They were forced to dig their own graves along shallow uh, ditches. And then they were lined up in front of these ditches, and they were executed. The impact of the bullets knocked their bodies into these ditches, and then the Nazis covered them over with dirt. We know this history, right? But none of the bullets had struck this one little boy. But when his parents, the impact of the bullets knocked his parents, and they, they were holding his hand, he fell into the ditch with them, splattered with their butt, blood. He, he laid there and pretended to be dead for hours. They covered them with a little, just a layer of dirt, but not so much dirt he wasn't able to breathe. And then after this young child, 10 years old, think about that, crawls after dark, after all of the enemy soldiers had gone, crawls out of this ditch and, and goes to the nearest house he could find and begs for help. And the lady noticed that he was one of the ones that were marked for death, slammed the door in his face and said, get out of here. Because why? She was afraid of the repercussions of what would have happened to her and her family if she had taken somebody in. Did she show kindness? Did she show mercy? Did she show compassion? Oh, by the way, she was a Christian. Oh, and so then he went to the next door, into the next door, into the next door, finding nothing. And then all of a sudden, this 10-year-old Jewish boy, something comes into his mind as he goes to the next door. He knocks on the door, and he says, Don't you recognize me? I am your Jesus that you claim to love. And the woman, startled by what she's seeing and what she's hearing, grabs the little boy, brings him into her house, cleans him up, hugs on him, kisses on him, and from that moment forward, this little boy ended up becoming a part of their very family from that moment on. His name was David Yarborough. That's a true story. But those were Christians that proclaimed to be Christians in the houses that he was knocking on that turned him away. His family had been in that village for generations. But because of fear, they refused to do what they knew to be right. I wonder how many times fear stops us from doing what is right. I wonder what would happen and what decision we would make if we were in that same situation. Will we turn somebody away? Or will we pull them in and bring them in no matter the consequence to us personally? You see, brethren, never forget to be kind. Never forget to be compassionate no matter what it costs you personally. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says, whatever you did to the least of these, brothers of mine, it's as if you did it to me, yourself. Brethren, that's where it starts. If you find your family being torn by factions and dissensions and arguments, I need you to choose to be kind. I need you to choose to be compassionate to one another. If you're in the business world where it's often the dog-eat-dog -dog kind of mentality 
I need you to choose to be kind, choose to be compassionate. In a nation where one race is constantly being pitted against another race, you need to choose to be compassionate, and you, you need to choose to be kind. In a world that is torn apart by deep and long-standing hatred for one another, you as a Christian need to choose to be kind and compassionate to one another. Brethren, we should all long for peace, real, lasting peace that can only be forged, that can only be achieved in Christ Jesus. Never forget the importance of forgiveness in the plan that we learn about in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and 29 through 32. We learn about kindness and compassion, and he ends it with forgiveness. And when you think about why, why did he end it with forgiveness? Because you can't have forgiveness unless you're willing to be kind and compassionate. You have to be kind, you have to be compassionate, and if you are, you'll be willing to be like Christ and offer forgiveness. You see, brethren, there's one last story that I'll leave you with, and this is another true story. There was a, a missionary who was, in, uh, was, was over uh, and doing his missionary journeys, and the wife of a Zulu chief happened to attend one of the Christian uh, uh, meetings or the Christian uh, uh, things, uh, uh, teachings that he was putting on. And she had never heard of this Jesus. She had never heard of Jehovah God. And the message of a God who loves you and who forgives you, who's concerned about you, was really a foreign concept to her. She had never heard of such a God before. And it wasn't long until she became a Christian too. But when her husband had found out that this woman had become a Christian, he was enraged because of it. Because she was forsaking the gods that they worshipped. And he threatened her with the threat of death if she ever attended another Christian meeting. Well, some time had gone by, and this woman couldn't get Jesus out of her heart and out of her mind. And she just had to know more about this God who's loving and compassionate and merciful and kind, who cares about his creation. And this woman, she decides to, even with the threat of death, to go to another meeting. The husband finds out about it, and as she's walking home in the dark, he meets her on the trail, he beats her savagely, and leaves her for dead. Hours pass by, and he's wondering if she was still alive. So he goes back on the trail where he left her, and he's looking for her body, but he doesn't find the body. And then he sees the twigs and different things and branches that were broken, and he followed it, assuming that she must have went that way. And he finds her beaten body laying under a bush. He says, what's your Jesus going to do for you now? And she thought about it for a moment, and she simply said, he's going to give me the strength to forgive you. He's going to give me the strength to forgive you. What does that remind you of? You remember when Jesus was on the cross? Didn't they just scourge him? And didn't they beat him? Didn't they put a crown of thorns on his head? And didn't they spit on him and mock him and then nail him to the cross? And what did Jesus say from the cross? You guys remember? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You guys remember Stephen, don't you? Did Stephen give an accurate, an accurate history lesson? Brutal, brutally accurate history lesson. And what did he get for it? Oh, they stoned him to death. And what did he cry out in the middle of it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What did this Zulu uh, chief's wife say? Jesus is going to give me the strength to forgive you. Can you only imagine hearing those words after how brutal you were to the woman that was your wife? You see, brethren, as I close this lesson down, we need to remember 
that the person that you become is because you make the choice to become. Whatever that person is. Whoever that person is. Whatever your mindset is. It's going to take effort, as Pat said here this morning, to live the type of life that God is going to be pleased with. God never promises you with fame and riches. He never promises you with an easy life. He never says faith, uh, faith and discipleship in Him is going to be easy. In fact, He tells you the exact opposite. He says, but if you are faithful until the end, I will give you a crown of life. So brethren, you need to choose to be faithful. Choose peace in the midst of conflict. Choose love in the midst of hatred. Choose kindness in the midst of sin and anger and hostility. Choose compassion and choose forgiveness. Not because you think somebody deserves it, because you remember what Jesus did for you. <coughs> Brethren, God showed you love and compassion and mercy. Even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. And if you're willing to have that same mindset and you live faithfully unto the Lord, brethren, you will find that God is pleased with you and you will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Brethren, if you're here today and you are not a child of God, but you wish to enter into the tender love of God, you wish to enter into his mercy, you wish to enter into his, 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 his love, then, brethren, all you have to do is confess Jesus Christ here this morning before the congregation. Confess Jesus, that you believe that he is the Son of God, that he rose on the third day for the forgiveness of sins, that he suffered, died, and was buried for our salvation, for our well-being. Brethren, if you're baptized here today, you'll receive the remission of sins. You'll be sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, and you will also be added to the kingdom by God himself. If that is you this morning, that is your desire, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.